I love this time of year. I think I'm not the only one who loves the idea of a new year beginning. I, I realize it's just a, another day on the calendar. We've really just gone one day, but it does really seem like we have uh, a fresh start, doesn't it? It seems like we have a blank slate in front of us that we can kind of start again and we can start off and, and we've, we've, we've got a fresh new start. Uh, and we want to do better, don't we? We want to make some improvements in our life. There are things that we, we probably need to stop doing and some things that we need to start doing. There's some things that we need to make improvements on the way that we're doing them. One of the things I want to do better is I want to eat better this year. Uh, you guys have fed me so incredibly well, me and my family. Uh, I was thinking about all of the wonderful foods that came to our house the first week we were here. And I don't know who made it. But I probably gained 10 pounds. I don't know, but it was amazing. Somebody made us these brownies that inside of it was like an Oreo cookie and a chocolate chip cookie inside of a brownie. And it was as good as you're picturing. It was better than that. So, uh, but, but I gotta stop eating stuff like that. I, I've gotta do better in that area. I wanna exercise better. I bet I wanna be a better husband to my wife. I wanna be a better dad to my boys. I wanna be a better preacher. I wanna be a better minister for you and for the Lord. I, I, there are so many things that I want to improve on in this new year. And this time of year, we really are thinking about that word, aren't we, better? And I'm sure many of you are as well. Maybe maybe it's your temper that you want to improve on. Maybe you're a parent like me that needs to uh, stop losing your temper with your kids, maybe. Maybe you're a teenager and you need to stop yelling at your parents. Maybe you uh, have a family member that you need to stop being bitter towards Maybe you need to stop lying to somebody in your life. Maybe you need to stop lying to yourself. Maybe you look at pornography and you need to stop. Maybe when you say things, you tend to be sarcastic and rude and biting, and maybe you need to stop that. Maybe you need to be more generous with your money, with your time, with your resources. Maybe you need to study the Bible more, or spend more time in prayer. Maybe you need to be more consistent in your worship attendance. Whatever your aspirations are, spiritually speaking, whatever you want to be better at or do better at, this series is for you. This is for all of us who want to make improvements. And I hope that there's nobody here that doesn't want to improve, that doesn't want to do better, spiritually speaking. But here's what we have a tendency to do. Look over at Ephesians chapter 4. That's going to be uh, where we're going to start anyway. And I pick this part of Ephesians because we're going to do this series on better and how to live better lives. But, but I pick this passage right here because it's very practical. And we like practical teaching, don't we? Uh, we? We want teachers and preachers to be practical. And by practical, what we usually mean is tell me what to do, right? I mean, just tell me what I need to stop doing. Tell me what I need to start doing. Just get right down to the nuts and bolts, the practical teachings. And so Paul really gets into the practical teaching here. But what you miss when you do that is the whole how to be better. Okay, so Paul's going to tell us how to be better, but we miss it if we skip right to this part. So in the rest of the series, we're going to go back and discover how to live the kind of life that he's going to describe here. Now, 
before we dig into the text, you, you might be new to this whole Bible study thing, or maybe you've just always wondered, why is it that preachers and teachers are always talking about Paul or Peter or these other apostles? I mean, why is it that we listen to what they teach and what they write? Well, that's a great question. And Paul answers that almost in every letter the same way. He begins by saying, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God or something along those lines. And when he says apostle, usually when I ask people what does apostle mean, they usually say like disciple and they, they put those two words as synonymous, but they're really not. Those are two different ideas. A disciple, that's all of us as a follower of Jesus. So we're disciples, but we're not apostles. An apostle is somebody who is handpicked and sent out on a mission. It's an ambassador. It's a delegate. It's somebody who has the authority to speak on somebody else's behalf. And so Paul is saying, and we believe that to be true, that Paul, by reason of the fact that he was picked by Jesus and given the Holy Spirit, was sent out to be an ambassador, a delegate, to have the authority to speak on Jesus' behalf. So if we want to know how to be disciples, if we want to know how to be Christians, then we have to, as the early church did, Acts chapter 2, devote ourselves to the apostles' teachings. Because the apostles are those delegates, those ambassadors, those given authority to speak on Jesus' behalf. And so that's why we're listening to what Paul, and this is a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus to remind them, to inspire them, to encourage them, to remind them that he's praying for them and and what he's praying for them about and who they should be. And it's a powerful reminder to all of us. And so what we tend to do is read through texts like this, Ephesians 4, 25 through 32, and we tend to make a checklist, don't we? We say, well, just tell me what to do. Give me a list of do's and don'ts, and then I'll know how to be a Christian. But we really miss the point when we do that. But but here's a list, okay? Here's Paul's list. Uh, and, and several things on here I'm sure that we could all work on. He says, verse 25, put away falsehood and speak the truth. Stop lying, tell the truth. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. So don't sin in your anger. Same verse, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Verse 28, don't steal. Same verse, share with those in need. Verse 29, let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth. And in the same verse, he says, but only speak words that build up, that edify. We could all use that, couldn't we? Let nothing come out of your mouth that is corrupt and it tears down, but only words that are are dripping with grace and edification that are going to build people up. Verse 31, put away. So here's the do nots. Put away all bitterness. Put away all wrath. Put away all anger. Put away all clamor. Put away all slander. Put away all malice. Some things we could probably do better on there, aren't there? Verse 32, be kind and be tenderhearted. Same verse, forgive as Christ has forgiven you. 
And so we could look at that list and we could say, okay, I want to be that, right? I want to be better in all of those areas. I want to do better in all of those areas. And so what's the answer? How do I become better at all of those things? Because I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, right? I mean, you know that you need to be more forgiving and that you need to be more tenderhearted, that you need to be more kind, that your words don't need to tear down, that your words need to build up. We all understand that, don't we? We understand that we should not let the sun go down on our anger and that even when we're angry, we shouldn't sin. We understand that. In fact, you could go handpick anybody in this town and they would probably tell you the same kinds of things. We know what that looks like, right? But the question is, how do I do those things? And the way we typically approach this is work harder, right? I need, I just need to work harder at being those things, right? When I go on a diet, I just need to work harder at not eating the wrong things. I need to work harder at eating the right things. You see, there's several problems with approaching Christianity that way. First of all, we usually fail at that, don't we? When we think that that Christianity is just a list of do's and do nots, and we think that becoming a better Christian, a better disciple of Jesus, is simply to work harder at those things. I'm not saying we shouldn't work harder, because we should. But when we think that is, that's it. That's how you live a better life, is just work harder at it. The problem is we, we fail at that, don't we, so often. And we just kind of throw up our hands and we just tend to say, well, that's just who I am, I guess. There's no changing me. I'm an angry person. I can't help it. That's the way my parents were. That's the way I was raised. So I just lose my temper. That's who I am. Or I'm just a worrier. I I, I can't help it. I worry. We tend to think that way, don't we? When it's just try and try and try and try and try harder and harder and harder and harder. We know the good things we should do. We know the bad things we shouldn't do. And as try as hard as we might, we keep failing at it. And so at the end, we finally get discouraged and we say, well, that's just who I am. Or maybe, worse yet, we might succeed at some of it and say, ha, I did it. I checked that one off my list. I'm pretty good at that. I'm getting better. I'm more kind. I'm more tenderhearted. I've done it. I've done it. I've done it. I'm a good person. And then we've got a serious problem, don't we? The issue of pride, right? And so whether we fail or we succeed, we make the situation even worse worse than it was in the beginning. But, But worse of all, the reason this is not the answer is because it's not even the biblical answer. This is not what Paul is telling the church in Ephesus. He's not just saying, here's the things you shouldn't do, and here's the things you shouldn't do, should do and shouldn't do, and just try harder to live that way. And so we need to look and see what is it that Paul is really saying to them. How do we achieve this better life? So let's look a few verses earlier. Look at verse 17, Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 17, that was read earlier for us. And I think this is going to reveal to us how to live the better life. Because again, we know we should live the better life, and most of us even know what the better life looks like, but how do we live that better life? What is the Christian better life? Verse 17, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Now, by Gentiles, he's not talking about those who are physically Gentiles. He's talking about those who are outside of Christ, those who are not God's people. So all throughout Scripture, you have those who are God's people and those who are not 
God's people, those who are Jews and those who are Gentiles. And now those who are in Christ Jesus are the Israel of God. We are the new Jerusalem. We are, we are God's people. And those who are outside of Christ are the Gentiles. And Paul says, don't walk like they do. In other words, don't live like they live. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Do you see that? Do you see the, the three things that he lists there? And he says, this is why the Gentiles walk like the Gentiles walk. This is why they live like they do. It's because their minds are futile. There's futility in their minds. They are darkened in their understanding and because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Because their hearts are hard, the light hasn't shone into their hearts. And so it's because of their lack of understanding. It's because they can't see what's there. It's because they don't know. It's because they don't understand. And so immorality and a broken life and sin proceed from not just from not caring and not just from not working hard enough, but they proceed from ignorance, from a lack of understanding. And we see that, don't we? That makes sense to us, doesn't it? Because we know that our friends and our family members out there that are Gentiles, that are outside of Christ, we know that they're working hard, aren't they? They're working hard to have a good life. They're working hard at being better people. They understand that they need to be nice and kind. They understand that they need to be good spouses and good parents. And so on some level, they understand that they need to try harder, but they're wearing themselves out. Trying harder, aren't they? The problem isn't that they're not trying. The problem is that they are in darkness. So you could go into a dark room. You could go into one of my boys' rooms. Surely they're both clean this morning. I don't know, but uh, I'll ask them later. But you could you could go into to a, a, a messy room, and you know, especially if it's a little kid's room. There's Legos all. There's nothing that hurts worse than stepping on a Lego barefoot, isn't it? You know, but you could go in a room and you could try to straighten it up and you could work hard at doing it. But if you're doing it in the dark, you're not going to make any progress, are you? You're really not even going to know what, what direction to strive in or how to strive in that direction. The problem isn't that you're not trying hard enough. The problem is the darkness. And Paul says the Gentiles walk like the Gentiles do. They live like they live because they are darkened in their understanding. They have ignorance in their hearts. Why? Because their heart is hard and they're not letting the light shine in. But you're supposed to be different. Verse 19, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Verse 20, but that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Do you see that? And when we go back and we read all of Ephesians, we see this fits in perfectly with what Paul has been saying all along. That your life has to be consistent with and has to flow from what you learned in Christ, what you heard, what you taught. You see, it's not an effort problem. The, the reason why marriages are falling apart and, and people are committing adultery and looking at pornography and all of these things, it is an understanding problem. It isn't that they just need to try harder. It's that they need to understand and see more clearly. 
And so Paul says, listen, that's not the way you learn Christ, assuming you heard and were taught. This is learning and hearing and being taught. See, this is the problem even in the church. And this is why Paul is having to remind Christian people about these fundamental facts, right? Because our tendency is, our tendency is, well, just tell me what to do and what not to do, right? Let's skip over all the theological stuff. Let's skip over all the doctrine stuff and just tell me how to live, right? I mean, just get, get past all of that, you know, just knowledge stuff and just get to the nuts and bolts, the practical teaching. But that's not Christianity. That's just behavior modification. And all we're doing is just modifying our behavior. And what the gospel is saying is, you don't just need your behavior modified, you need your understanding modified. Your thoughts, your mind, your heart need to be changed. Verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And we could spend so long right there on that one phrase. The reason the old self is corrupted is because of its deceitful desires, because it wants what it naturally wants, but its wanting, its desiring, its passions, its lusts are deceitful. And it's not just the lust and the passions and the desires that you're thinking about. It's all of those desires, isn't it? I mean, why is it that you gossip about people? Oh, you don't gossip, right? Now, I said that's somebody else who gossips. But why is it that people who gossip, gossip, right? Why is it that when you get a, a tidbit of information about somebody else, that you feel the need to share it with someone? What is it that you're desiring? What kind of attention are you wanting on yourself? What kind of light are you trying to cast yourself in? And you need to understand that that desire is a natural desire, right? It's very natural to hear a little bit of gossip and share it with somebody else and slander somebody else's name. That's natural. But it's also a deceitful desire. Because all the the promises that that desire makes to you are empty promises, right? Why is it that when you have a spat with your spouse... Y'all don't do that either, I'm sure. But, you know, why is it that when you're, you're a little bit upset with your spouse, why is it that you hang on to that anger? That you let the sun go down. Sometimes over and over and over and over again, the sun goes down on your anger. What is it that you're desiring to achieve by holding on to your anger? Are you trying to punish them? Are you trying to hold them accountable? And you think the longer you're angry at them, the more bitter you are towards them, the better it'll feel for you, and the more it'll hurt them, or whatever the case may be. You need to understand that those desires are deceitful. They're making empty promises to you. So it's not just a matter of modify your behavior and stop letting the sun go down on your anger. It's about modifying your understanding. It's about modifying your perception It's about allowing the gospel of Jesus Christ to change the way you think. Verse 23. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. That really gets the heart of it, doesn't it? Renewed. That word there means to renovate. To to change it totally. And that's not what we tend to do, is it? We tend to modify. We, We tend to make improvements. You know, uh, I've said this before, but but it always is interesting to me 
The kind of questions people sometimes ask before they're baptized. Because right before they're baptized, they, they want a list that says, okay, Wes, what are the things I need to start doing now that I'm a Christian? And what are the things I need to stop doing now that I'm a Christian? I want a checklist, right? So I can go down the list and say, okay, I've done it. I, I, I'm that person. I'm, I'm better. I'm good. I, I checked everything off of the list. See, we want to make improvements to our life. Jesus didn't come to make improvements in your life, to add a little bit here, add a little bit there, take away a little bit here, and take away a little bit there. He came that you might die. That you might be buried with Him in baptism and be done with the old man, right? And be raised up and given a new spirit. Be totally, completely renovated. And that way, and because even our good works need to be renovated, don't they? Because the world does good works, right? The Gentiles do good things and nice things. But why does the world do good things and nice things? Well, it's because they want the attention on them, right? And you and I fall into that trap so very often, don't we? Jesus says, don't be like the, the Pharisees. Don't give so that the world sees you. Don't pray so that the world says, well, there's a religious person right there. Even your good works, much less your bad works, need renovation. And so Jesus comes that we might be renewed in the spirit of our minds. That's what you need. You need a change of mind. You need a change of heart. You need a renovation. You need to bury the old man and to be raised up a new person. And that's a a constant thing, isn't it? So Paul here is reminding Christians, don't walk the way the Gentiles walk. But I'm not just giving you a list of do's and don'ts. I'm saying that they walk the way that they walk because they don't understand. But you've been taught. And you've heard. And you've learned. So now, let that learning and what you've heard about God and what you've heard about Jesus, what you've heard about the gospel, the spirit that dwells within you, let it change the way that you live. Verse 24. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. See, that that's the object, isn't it? Is to become like God in righteousness and holiness. So again, it it can all be summed up this way, and we're going to get more into this as the weeks come. But the answer to being better and doing better is not just greater effort. Some of us need to put forth greater effort. I'm not saying we don't, because some of us do need to put forth greater effort. But it's not just greater effort. It's enlightened effort. As Paul prayed in chapter 1 and verse 5, that we need to have the eyes of our hearts enlightened. We don't need to just get into that dark room and start cleaning stuff up and straightening stuff up. We need the light to come on. We, We need to realize who God is. And what God through Christ has done. And see, the beauty of this is that when you see God for who He is, and you see yourself for who you are, and you respond in faith to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you keep responding in faith to the gospel of Jesus Christ day in and day out, then your desires even are transformed. You want something different. As was read for us, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. God loves, what kind of giver? A cheerful giver, right? 
He doesn't want us to give out of reluctance. He doesn't want us to give out of compulsion. He doesn't want you to become a better person for the wrong reasons. He wants you to see Him. He wants your eyes opened. And once your eyes are open and your hearts have been enlightened, once you see the gospel for what it is, then you want to do the right thing. And then changing and being better and stop lying and start telling the truth and stop holding on to your bitterness and stop getting angry. And all of those things get so much easier when it comes from a transformed heart. When our thinking, the spirit of our minds have been renewed. It begins with baptism, doesn't it? That's that's when we bury the old man. And we have to continue to live out our baptism. It's a one-time thing. We're baptized one time, but daily we live out our baptism. And we remind ourselves, I'm dead to that old man. And the deceitfulness of those desires, I'm dead to that. My thinking has been changed. That's not how I learned. That's not how I heard. That's not how I saw Jesus. I must live a different life And we live out our baptism day in and day out. But maybe there's somebody here that hasn't begun that journey. It's time, isn't it? It's time to to start with a truly fresh slate, isn't it? To be done with the old man. To bury the old man, or the old woman as it were. And to be raised up to walk in a new life. But for most of us, it's a matter of being reminded that it's not just your behavior that needs to be modified. It's your feeling And you're thinking, it's your heart and your mind needs to be enlightened. And then it's not just a greater effort, but an enlightened effort. If we can help you to begin that journey, or we can help you in that journey, we're in it together, aren't we? And we need to encourage one another and edify one another and build one another up and keep our focus on the cross of Jesus Christ. If we can help you to do that this morning, there's a room in the back where the elders would love to pray with you. You can come forward as together we stand and sing.